1983, Australia threatened to take the America's Cup from the United States. The United States had retained the coveted cup of yacht racing for years, but that year, Australia mounted a serious challenge. The two teams were tied with one race to go. The day came for the final race, and scores of people came to watch. Television cameras from all over the world were there. The boats were ready. The crews were ready. The yachts pulled into place at the starting line. All was ready, but there was no race. Why? There was no wind. In yachting, no wind means no race. Some people today suggest that this is the reality of the 21st century church. No wind, no direction, and no energy to propel it forward. The recent Pew Foundation study on Americans' changing religious landscape recognizes an ever-increasing number of nuns, not N-U-N, N-O-N-E-S, those who claim no religious affiliation and continues to describe the collapse of cultural Christianity. Mainline churches have been hit the hardest because we have the greatest share of nominals, those affiliated with the church for reasons other than a deep-seated commitment to Christ. Our churches once enjoyed disproportionate cultural influence, wealth, and privilege, but those days are gone. Christianity's cultural dominance is waning, so there's little reason left to be part of the church other than faith in Jesus Christ. How have we moved so far from the experience of the day of Pentecost? In the story from the second chapter of Acts, we've read that the wind blew powerfully, and suddenly a sound came from heaven like the rush of a mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There was no doubt that the spirit that Jesus had promised was surrounding them, changing them, and empowering them to fulfill God's mission to the world by making disciples in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus' followers moved into the streets, and all who heard them were amazed and astonished. Barbara Brown Taylor, in her sermon, The Gospel of the Holy Spirit, describes it this way. God's breath performed artificial resuscitation on a room full of well-intentioned bumblers, turning them into a force that changed the history of the world. Shy people became bold. Scared people became gutsy. And lost people found some direction. Disciples who did not believe themselves capable of tying their own sandals without Jesus discovered abilities within themselves that they never knew they had. When they opened their mouths to speak, they sounded like Jesus. And the story continues. A huge crowd gathered as Peter proclaimed without fear the lordship of Christ. 3,000 people professed their belief in Christ 
were baptized that day and Christ's church was born. So where is everyone today? We've got the streamers. We've got the bright colors. We've got the bold music. Why has our celebration waned? Are we just not interested anymore? When we're young, we get all excited about birthdays, about life, and about what's ahead of us. It seems like as we get older, we find less to get excited about. When birthdays come around each year, we're just reminded how old we are, and we wonder what's so happy about it. Could this also be part of how we feel about the story of Pentecost today? Is it just a noisy part, party from the past? We've heard the story. We understand it. We know it's a part of our history. But we just as soon casually let wave some streamers, go home, and heat up the barbecue or take a nap. There may have been a time for all of that enthusiasm, wind and fire, but we're civilized Christians now. So we're careful not to get too carried away. After all, we are God's people, aren't we? Or do we really believe that things can be different? Do we honestly have faith that God's Spirit can renew us and revive us? Is the church so far gone that it's not worth the effort? If there's not a spark inside us, or a sign that we're wind-blown from the renewal of God's Spirit, then how is it that we can expect nuns and nominals to want to be part of a ship that's dead in the water? And how often do we go out to where those folks are instead of expecting them just to show up because we're here? In the Bible, the Hebrew word for spirit, ruach, and the, Hebrew, the Greek word for spirit, pneuma, literally mean wind and breath. The Holy Spirit is God's own breath. In Genesis, at creation, it's God's breath that sweeps across the face of the waters of chaos. It's God's own breath, God's own spirit that is breathed into human beings when we're created. God's breath is the image of God that fills us. In the psalm we sang, we actually were singing, Send forth your breath, O God, and renew the face of the earth. When Jesus breathes on the disciples in John's gospel account of the Pentecost, he's breathing God's own breath, God's own spirit into them. The disciples couldn't see the Spirit, but they could hear it, and they could sense it. Jesus himself had described it as a mystery, which would visit them like the wind. We can't always see the wind, and yet we know when it comes and when it goes. We affirm that the wind of heaven, the breath of God, the Holy Spirit fills our sanctuary even now and each and every time that we gather, and that we are changed. God breathes, and we live. God breathes, and our lives are put back together. 
God breathes and we are recreated. The deeds of God's power are not just words that we hear, but they're the lives that we are to live, lives of love and self-giving, lives of forgiveness and reconciliation, lives of generosity and compassion, lives of healing and wholeness, and lives of prayer and holiness. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we breathe in the same spirit of God that the disciples experienced. With every breath we take, God promises to accompany us and to empower us as we take on the mission to which Jesus called all the members of his church. We're not to be called to, to be part of the church to be comfortable, to be respected, or to feel good about ourselves. When we get too caught up in our daily lives and forget that we're sustained by the breath of God, we need to be reminded to breathe. We're like asthmatics who must train themselves to focus on their breathing in order to take in life-sustaining breath. We can connect with the Spirit of God through a simple prayer which helps us to be still and focus. And I invite you to do, share that prayer with me now, to try it. So find a comfortable position, put both feet on the floor, close your eyes, and take a couple of cleansing breaths. Breathe in and breathe out. Let go of your stress. Now gently inhale and exhale, experiencing an opening to God's Spirit with each breath. As you inhale, silently repeat the words, I breathe the Spirit deeply in. Imagine yourself being filled with God's Spirit from head to toe. I breathe the Spirit deeply in. As you exhale, let go of the burdens that you may be experiencing and say, I breathe the Spirit gratefully out. When we breathe in the Spirit, we receive power. When we exhale, we release that power into the world. I breathe the Spirit deeply in. I breathe the Spirit gratefully out. I breathe the Spirit deeply in. I breathe the Spirit gratefully out. Thus, to live in Christ is to breathe in the Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? What does it mean that God has conspired conspired, has breathed with creation and with us from the beginning. It means that there is only one breath, one life, one love. It means that God never gives up on us or on anyone. It means that God has not given up on the church 
and that God's Spirit continues to empower it with new forms of meaning and ministry. It means that the Holy Spirit will open the Scripture to us in new ways if we'll but take the time to read it and study it together. It means that the Spirit has moved in the heart of our candidate for the associate pastor position at CCPC and in the hearts of the associate pastor nominating committee to join us together in ministry and that that same Spirit will be present when we meet to vote next Sunday. It means that the Spirit of God will continue to help us to breathe when we encounter financial challenges and facility realities which test our creativity here at the church. And it means that the Spirit will blow through our meetings and through our fellowship as we reimagine what is required to be Christ's church at the gateway to the city of Washington, D.C. And it means that God is present in baby Clara on the day of her baptism and in all of the children and youth of our congregation, not just because they are the hope for the church of the future, but because they are the church of today. And we are blessed. So breathe in the Spirit of God and breathe out God's power to the world. And remember that it is God's own breath that is filling you and going back out to the world through you, helping others to breathe too. May it be so. Amen.